Hey guys, welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Central Florida Film Review. The movie that we are reviewing for this episode is Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, the second installment of the Star Wars prequel trilogy, first released back in 2002. Man, this film really brings back a lot of nostalgia because I was only seven years old when this film came out, and I remember seeing it in theaters. And to be honest, I'm not like the prequel haters. I actually thought this movie was okay. It really wasn't terrible. Was it perfect? No. But it's not as bad as some people say it is. Some people need to chill out, you know. But anyways, let's we'll get to that in a minute. This is, for your listening pleasure, our review of Star Wars Episode Two. Attack of the Clones. Okay, so for starters, let's listen to the music of the opening crawl and the opening ship explosion. This is the opening scene of the film, and of course, as is tradition, a Star Wars movie always begins with an opening crawl of yellow text explaining what's going on in the galaxy at that particular time and giving you uh, background information. So this is the music. You'll hear the music that goes with the opening text, and then you'll hear the dialogue and the explosion from the opening scene, where Padme Amidala is returning to Coruscant for the first time in a while. You seem a little on edge. Not at all. I haven't felt you this tense since, since we fell into that nest of gun dogs. <laughs> you fell into that nightmare, Master, and I rescued you, remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> You're sweating. Relax. Take a deep breath. I haven't seen her in ten years, Master. Pleasure to see you again, my lady. And it's been far too long, Master Kenobi. Annie? My goodness, you've grown. So have you. Grown more beautiful, I mean. Well, for a senator, I mean. <laughs> Annie will always be that little boy I knew on Tatooine. Our presence here will be invisible, my lady, I can assure you. I'm Captain Typho of Her Majesty's Security Service. Queen Jamila has been informed of your assignment. I am grateful you're here, Master Kenobi. The situation is more dangerous than the Senator will admit. I don't need more security. I need answers. I want to know who's trying to kill me. We are here to protect you, Senator, not to start an investigation. We will find out who's trying to kill you, Padme. I promise you. We will not exceed our mandate, my young Padawan learner. I meant it in the interest of protecting her, Master, of course. We will not go through this exercise again, Anakin. And you will pay attention to my lead. Why? What? Why else do you think we were assigned to her if not to find the killer? 
Protection is a job for local security, not Jedi. It's overkill, Master. Investigation is implied in our mandate. We will do exactly as the Council has instructed. And you will learn your place, young one. Perhaps with merely your presence, the mystery surrounding this threat will be revealed. Now, if you'll excuse me, I will retire. I know I'll feel better having you here. I'll have an officer stationed on every floor, and I'll be in the control center downstairs. Lisa Boston with happiness seeing you again, Annie. She hardly even recognized me, Jar Jar. I've thought about her every day since we parted, and she's forgotten me completely. She's a happy, happier than Lisa seeing her in a long old time. You're focusing on the negative, Anakin. Be mindful of your thoughts. She was pleased to see us. Now, let's check the security. Okay, so this scene gives me the opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. So, one of the first things that happens is that you hear Obi-Wan talking to Anakin, trying to get him to breathe and relax and not feel so nervous. And at the time when that's happening, they're in an elevator heading up to Padme's room to greet her and begin the process of being additional security for her. As soon as the elevator opens, we hear a very familiar voice, and it is Jar Jar Binks. Now, Jar Jar Binks is a character in the history of Star Wars that has gotten a lot of mixed reviews. He... Some people like him and are fine with him, but many other people can't stand him because they think he's... I don't know how to explain it. They think he's just... They think he's the black licorice of characters. They think he's that thing that people just, you know, you try to give it a shot, you try to be give him a chance, but it's just awful. It tastes awful, smells awful, sounds awful, you know, no. And in this case, yeah, he's that, metaphorically. They just really don't like him because they think he's too funny and too comical. And they really, they accused George Lucas and the teams of writers of putting in too much comic relief in one character and across several occasions in the films. So, with that in mind, I'm going to say I get where they're coming from, but is Jar Jar the worst character in Star Wars? I mean, I think that's a bit harsh. Let's be honest. I think that's a bit much. And fun fact for you, well, actually tragic fact for you, uh, he's doing fine now, uh, and they even let him come back to Star Wars, but the actor that provided the voice for Jar Jar Binks, Ahmed Best, you know, people made fun of his character and him so much that he uh, actually suffered from depression because of it, and he almost contemplated ending his life. And that's really not fair. You know, that's where Star Wars fans take things too far. You can't mock someone so much. You don't have a right to do that. You have to remember that words can have power. Don't be a weakling about it and pretend that you have to be politically correct about everything and just tiptoe around everything because people have feelings. No, sometimes you should be blunt, but you shouldn't be blunt for the sake of being cruel or to mock someone and undermine them. 
And in this case, that's really what they did for about 20 years. And But he's doing fine now. So about Jar Jar, I didn't touch him. I didn't say anything about him in the last episode of the podcast. So I'm bringing him up now. He was kind of the elephant in the room. 10% of people were okay with him. The other 90 wanted to burn every photo they could possibly find of him. Because they just, like I said, they hated him. And then we we go further into the scene and what's happening. Anakin meets Padme for the first time in like 10 or 11 years. And Padme is, is nice to him. But he's being very awkward because he has the feelings for her. He likes her. He's in love and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, hey, we've all been there. There's all been, there's you know, if you're a guy and you've ever liked a girl, whether it was high school or now, we've all had that nervousness when we were around that person. Trust me, we can relate to that. But they did it in a really early 2000s way, in a kind of a Melrose Place kind of way. They did it in a way that reflects what was very common in film and television back then. They would depict it so awkwardly for the sake of, for the sake of making it realistic that if you were to do that in a film today in the same way it really wouldn't look like a major blockbuster it would look like two people that wanted to kiss each other but didn't have the guts to admit it in a Hallmark movie during Christmas and you know so it it wouldn't translate as well now that may that might be one of my only criticisms about this scene and i got to say the argument between Obi-Wan and Anakin is pretty cool. You know, it's uh, kind of foreshadowing because, you know, he says, you know, you will remember your place, my young Padawan learner, and we will not go through this exercise again. And you will pay attention to my leading. And he asks, why? And Obi-Wan looks at him shocked and asks, what? And he tries to clarify it and say, well, why do you think they sent us here if it wasn't to protect her and find the killer? But actually, what was happening was it was foreshadowing. It was a sign of the rebellion building up in Anakin's personality and in his soul and a sign of what was to come, a sign of Anakin being angry and not liking being told what to do and foreshadowing of what will happen in episode three and his becoming Vader. It's just very subtle. It's a hint of it. It's not as you know, the biggest example of foreshadowing, but it does count. It counts as foreshadowing. So all in all, great scene. Could, you know, again, a little cliche because of how old it is, but not bad, really. And I, I think that foreshadowing is important, that rebellion, that frustration, that argument. I think, I think it's important, really. So let's move on. And the scene that I want you guys to listen to now is the scene where... Senator Palpatine is arguing, well, not arguing, but having a conversation with the Jedi about Count Dooku and about the systems that are starting to leave the Republic to be become part of the Separatist Alliance. I don't know how much longer I can hold off the vote, my friends. More and more star systems are joining the Separatists. If they do break away... I will not let this republic that has stood for a thousand years be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, you must realize there aren't enough Jedi to protect the republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. 
Master Yoda, do you think it will really come to war? The dark side clouds everything. Impossible to see. The future is. Good. Send them in. We will discuss this matter later. Senator Amidala, your tragedy on the landing platform, terrible. Seeing you alive brings warm feelings to my heart. Do you have any idea who is behind this attack? Our intelligence points to disgruntled spice miners on the moons of Naboo. I think the Count Dooku is behind it. He is a political idealist, not a murderer. You know, milady, Count Dooku was once a Jedi. He couldn't assassinate anyone. It's not in his character. Hmm. But for certain, Senator, in grave danger, you are. Master Jedi, may I suggest the Senator be placed under the protection of your graces? You really think that's a wise decision under these stressful times? Chancellor, if I may comment, I do not believe the situation, the situation is that serious. No, but I do, Senator. I realize all too well that additional security might be disruptive for you, but perhaps someone you're familiar with. An old friend, like Master Kenobi. That's possible. He's just returned from a border dispute on Antion. Do it for me, milady, please. The thought of losing you is unbearable. I will have Obi-Wan report to you immediately, my lady. Thank you, Master Windu. Okay, so this scene, I have to say, is kind of hilarious. Because, let's be honest, the Jedi are trying to tell Senator Amidala, Padme, that, you know, Count Dooku couldn't possibly try to kill anybody. He used to be a Jedi. It's not in his character. Right. Not in his character. Meanwhile, later in the film, yeah, about that. So, I'm sorry, that, that one's kind of funny. I feel like the Jedi kind of shot themselves in the foot on that one and made themselves, kind of painted themselves into a corner where it's like, no, later on, we're going to have to take an L about that one. Yeah, we, we were wrong. No, anything's in his character. We were wrong. We made a mistake. Our bad. But, yeah, so, yeah, that one's a little funny. And I will say, uh, one criticism that I have of this part is they don't really take the time to introduce Count Dooku until later in the film. They don't give him a lot of backstory. They just tell us he used to be a Jedi. They think he's behind it. He could have been introduced slightly better that there could have been some improvements made in the way that they introduced him maybe given some more backstory on him first you know we learn more about him in the comics and some other star wars things but some of us don't are not patient enough to pursue star wars comics and other lore i mean i like star wars novels but that's it i ref i'm not going to buy the comics and the other stuff i don't have the time 
the spare time to go through an entire universe of additional backstory for characters. I, I'm not a teenager. I don't have that kind of time on my hands. But, and a lot of you don't either. But, you know, still, all in all, good scene. Really not not bad. Executed pretty well. And I will say, uh, Chancellor Palpatine, who, of course, as we all know, after this many years, is the Emperor just being the Chancellor and having infiltrated the Republic, is really doing a great job. Uh, what I, And what I mean by that is he's doing a great job of fooling the Jedi. And we see that in the scene. He's doing. No one knows that he's the enemy yet. No one suspects him. And the actor who plays him, Ian McDiarmid, does a fantastic job a uh, fantastic job of making people believe that he actually wants to help the Republic. He does a great job of putting on a face and, you know, just continuing this political charade for his own gain. And I will say he blends in really well, and that actor, incredibly talented. Ian McDiarmid is a great actor. Uh, I wish they had not brought him back for Star Wars Episode Nine because Star Wars Episode Nine was an abomination. And what they did to Palpatine, an iconic character like that, was shameful. Absolutely shameful and just absolute crap. So I think that was a waste of his time. I mean, he made a lot of money off of it, but waste of his time. All in all, great scene. And I like that they are introducing the fact that the Jedi's sight is clouded. I really like the part where Palpatine asks, you know, Master Yoda, do you really think it will come to war? And he says, well, I can't tell. I, we can't see the future because the dark side is clouding things. That's important. We all, You and I both know that that's going to play another part in Episode 3. That's going to be part of the Jedi's problem in the very near future. So, you know, all in all, great scene, great music, and... Yeah, let's keep going. So for the next part of the of this episode, we're going to take a look at the scene where Obi-Wan and Anakin... Uh, yeah, sorry. We're going to take a look at the scene where Obi-Wan is, uh, is introduced to... Count Dooku. This is where Count Dooku is first seen in the film for the first time. We finally get to meet him. He's played by actor Christopher Lee, who also played Saruman in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. Traitor. Oh, no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I am aware of. The Geonosians don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I can assure you. 
It's a great pity that our paths have never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure, my young Jedi. You forget that he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He knew all about the corruption in the Senate, but he would never have gone along with it if he had learned the truth as I have. The truth? The truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of Senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. It may be difficult to secure your release. You guys, I actually really like this scene. In fact, uh, I would say go on, if you have the movie, watch it, because I recommend this movie. I'm sorry, the prequel haters, they go overboard with it. I recommend Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. I'm sorry, yes, it actually is a pretty good movie. Uh, on the Central Florida film scale, I rate it 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. 7.5, 8 out of 10. It's right there for me. Is it 10 out of 10? No, but like I said, 7.5, 8 out of 10. Somewhere right in that range. And uh, I love this scene. The actor who plays Count Dooku is, as I mentioned, is Christopher Lee, who also played Saruman in the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films by Peter Jackson. And he is a fantastic actor. Uh, he's very British and very aristocratic, but also very friendly, and he had a lot of training with uh, Shakespeare's works, that is, uh, Shakespeare's plays and Shakespearean acting, and so that's actually something that, that uh, him and Ian McDiarmid have in common. They were both trained in acting academies, and they both took the time to learn how to act the European way, which involves a lot of uh, theater and Shakespeare and various forms of now very famous writings from playwrights from long ago. And uh, when you translate that into a villain, it actually ends up being incredibly helpful. I think it's one of the reasons why English actors uh, make such fantastic villains in films. But this scene was absolutely fantastic. And I love the music when the when you hear the scene. As soon as the scene opens, what happens is there's a transition in the movie. And the shot transitions to Obi-Wan Kenobi 
on the planet Geonosis. And the first thing we see is this gigantic tower made of rock. That's like a beehive the size of Rhode Island. And the camera zooms in on the tower and you hear the you hear the dramatic horn section from the orchestra and it's a great introduction to a scene and then Count Dooku walks through the door and you hear that classic Star Wars door opening swoosh and then Count Dooku walks in and begins the conversation and we find out that he knew Qui-Gon and we find out some of the history between them and that even though they've never met before he does know who Obi-Wan is and yeah and also he tells him that he tells him about Sidious. When I was a kid, I remember this this amazed me. I couldn't believe it. When I was 7 years old and I saw this, I was shocked. I was like, "Wait a minute. He's actually telling him about the emperor? He's actually telling him about the plan? Really?" And he was doing it for his own purposes. He wasn't doing it to try to help anybody. He was doing it for the same reason that Darth Vader would tell Luke years later to join him. Because he would say, together we can destroy the Sith. But in reality, it's a metaphor for the fact that, you know, evil lies. It, it'll it, the, uh, An evil person will say, well, I'll help you get rid of this problem. When in reality, they just want to replace the problem with their version of a problem. And Count Dooku was just saying, hey, join me and I'll help you. But what he really meant was... Hey, if you help me, I'll defeat Palpatine by working together with you, and then I'll rule the galaxy, and I'll be the Emperor. And Darth Sidious won't be a problem anymore. Classic Sith betrayal happens all the time. Great scene. Fantastic work. And I gotta say, it's actually kind of hilarious seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi just floating off the ground, because he's being held prisoner, and they have this blue shield that's holding him prisoner, and just seeing him float there looking at Count Dooku with this hateful glare in his eyes is great. Uh, fun fact, of course, most of you know this, but for anybody who doesn't, the actor who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi is Ian, uh, is, sorry, Ewan, E-W-A-N, Ewan McGregor, and he is an incredibly talented actor, also European. I believe he's Irish or Scottish. I forget which one. Scottish. I believe it's Scottish. Ewan, Ewan McGregor. Really great actor. And his uncle actually plays Wedge Antilles in the original trilogy. His uncle, uh, Dennis Lawson, actually plays Wedge Antilles in uh, episodes 4, 5, and 6 of the Star Wars saga, which really cool. Really cool. But yeah, great scene. And guys, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I, I don't want to make this episode too long and keep you, keep you guys here forever. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to have you listen to one thing. I'm going to take a minute to highlight the music real quick. And I'm going to highlight it by showing you a scene where Anakin and Padme kiss for the first time and admit their love for one another. And this is when they're at Geonosis right before the clones attack and save them and right before the battle when they're about to be executed so i just want you to really pay attention to this scene listen to the dialogue and listen to the music that john williams came up for anakin and padme's love and then after that we're going to call it quits and that'll end the episode thank you guys so much really appreciate your support 
Please consider following Central Florida Film Review on our podcast Facebook page. And if you can, consider donating to support the podcast to help us get better audio equipment and provide you with the quality that you deserve. Have a great night, good luck, and God bless. Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. What are you talking about? I love you. You love me? I thought that we had decided not to fall in love. That we would be forced to live a lie. And that it would destroy our lives. I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway. I truly...